Welcome, everyone. This is Jen O. I'm here today with two other members of Youth Against Sweatshops. Do you guys want to say hello? Hey, I'm Samantha. Hey, I'm Yolanda. Thanks for, and I'm Sarah. I don't think I actually mentioned that before. Before we get started with our episode today, I just want to let folks know to stay tuned till the end of the episode for a special announcement regarding an event that we're having on March 8th. So today we thought we can start by telling you a little bit more about the Anti Women Campaign. The Anti Women Campaign is a national outreach and educational effort led by women workers to demand that those benefiting the most from sweatshop labor are held accountable, whether we work in garment factories, home health care, or offices. A century after Sojourner Truth's struggle against racism and sexism, women workers are refusing to be treated like slaves or second-class citizens. The campaign just recently picketed in front of 1199 SEIU, demanding that the union protect its own members, chanting with the slogan to end the 24-hour workday. campaign, as we mentioned, inspires our podcast. We are organizing with home care workers who are fighting to end the 24-hour workday in New York State. So many people may not know this, but here in New York, we have a system in which home care workers who take care of our most uh, vulnerable, our sickest, you know, our, you know, our friends and family who need uh, a lot of care they have these, you know, mostly women working 24 hours a day for days in a row, sometimes, you know, even the whole week. And on top of all of that, they're only paid for half of those hours, um, for 13 hours usually, because the uh, insurance companies say, oh, they're sleeping at night and they're getting their breaks for, you know, for meals. But what we've learned from these workers is that it's really impossible to actually do any of that, to get any rest and to to get your breaks. Because like any home attendant will tell you, when you're with your patient, you know, you you have to be on, you have to be ready to, you know, to care for them, to help them with whatever they need. And so, you know, so we, so they started to organize to get their back pay for all those night hours that, you know, that they weren't paid their proper wages. And now these home attendants are calling for um, an end to these 24-hour workdays altogether because, you know, it's detrimental to their health, to their family and home lives, to their ability to, you know, organize with others, be involved in the community, be involved in, you know, politics, all of that. So, yeah, we they have been fighting for many years and they've inspired many um, other workers to also, you know, stand up and say no to the system of exploitation. And I think that's where, you know, that's where this podcast is coming from. So that's a little bit of background on NI Women. And 
and then I want to turn it over to Samantha and Yolanda to ask, you know, how did you guys get involved in the campaign? And uh, why are you fighting alongside home attendants, right? There's many other fights out there happening right now. Why, why this one? I think a lot of us learn from uh, New York's home care workers, right? Because we see that just like them, you know, who are forced to care for their patients and underpaid 24-hour shifts, you know, generating massive wealth for their employer agencies and insurance companies. Actually, we too, you know, are left with no other options but to work overtime, young people, so that we could bet on our future successes. I think, I think for me, you know, I got involved in this campaign like around a year and a half ago when I was, you know, a, a grad student in New York University. And, you know, when I was still like studying journalism, I felt like that my condition back then was good, even though I like was getting very, very few sleeps at night. And I remembered I always needed to be on call because, you know, I was waiting for all my like interviewees to get back to me you know, being like a student journalist, like you'll know that like it's really rare for you to, to actually have people, you know, get back to you. So like I always have to be on call for, you know, and to, to have to make my like schedule flexible for anything, um, hoping that I could get a story done. And I was even like dreaming of what I was writing. Like I was dreaming, you know, <laughs> my dissertation, like a lot of the stress just got onto me. But then I, I think back then I was feeling okay. Like I was feeling like I'm doing, you know, like intellectual labor, you know, like I'm educated. I'll be fine in the future. I'm not making a lot of money or like I'm, you know, hurting my own health, but it's all going to, you know, pay off in the future. Right. Like, but then, you know, when I joined the campaign, I realized that actually we all suffer the same condition in this system. And the home care workers are, you know, the ones who are standing up because they see it clearer than the rest of us, you know, that this is a system that really deprives the majority of us of, you know, our labor, our time, you know, to benefit the capital of the few. And I, you know, spent time talking to the home attendants who weren't afraid to um, stand up and file lawsuits and, you know, to picket in front of the union who wasn't doing anything to help them. And, like, I thought that was really inspirational I don't think you know I don't think the same thing could happen like in my student union on campus because I think we're all kind of brainwashed into thinking that our expectation is 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 fine it's rational because you know we have a brighter future or that you know this is all worth it for now because you know it'll pay off in the future yeah I was gonna say that I was inspired because of like Something that you said, you said that that we're brainwashed to believe that exploitation is is okay because we have a brighter future and stuff. Like, I also came to be involved with the campaign during, I think, my junior year of undergrad, so, like, about a year and a half ago, too. And I was pretty shocked, actually, because I knew home attendants, and my mom actually did, like... She worked as a home attendant for, it was only for very, very short. And I think it was because it was so, it was such a a hard job that she just didn't do it for long. So it was, it was interesting to, to me to see like all these women coming together and like fighting for their rights. And 
like slowly I just started to learn about how we are all a part of the same system and it just made me more motivated to, to you know take it into my own hands and do like become a part of my own campaign like <clears throat> like for example the podcast like this is a way of us like embracing that we're being exploited and like resisting to it like because I think that a lot of times we look at people that we think might have less education or less this or less that like we we give people we reduce what people are are, are equal to so that we don't feel bad for what they're going through in the system and I think that we're all definitely a part of it and I think that if people come together, there's there's an opportunity to make the world a different place. And that is why I'm here today. I don't, did that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can, we can go, you know, delve even deeper, but definitely answer the question. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with you guys in the sense of, uh, I think both of you guys spoke to just, you know, speaking to and organizing with these women who have, you know, who against a lot of like great obstacles, right? We're still pursuing this, you know, they're pursuing justice, right? Pursuing what they felt, you know, that they deserve better. And I think it's, you know, I think of that a lot because, you know, I think kind of Yolanda, like you were touching on, you know, we are told like time and time again that, all the dues we pay, right? All the like free free labor and free things that we put in will will lead to something, right? Like it's all for something. And then I think on the other hand, I also feel though like so I'm I'm you know much older than you guys, right? And I see you know now I see my friends and such who who are farther down that road, right? Like ten years, fifteen years into their careers or whatever, and or, you know, we watch the news, we're not like isolated in society. And we see that actually that future, right, is, or that security is so rare, right? Like, you know, even now, you're still going to have to struggle, right? You're still going to have a lot of, uh, face a lot of the same problems. So what about like your guys's, I guess, you know, you both of you touched upon it a little bit, but your life history or work history, you know, makes you feel that, yeah, like you're part of this overworked generation? Well, I've been in school for a while and I've had so many like uh, internships or opportunities where I was volunteering and like not for pleasure. And it just like, over time, it feels like it became like kind of like a norm. Like students need to go work for somebody for free, do whatever they're told. Then they're not even guaranteed a job. And like, not even just with that, like even going to campus, like they are like, depending on where you are on like your education, like sometimes it's hard to have a job. Like your professors or wherever you're studying, they want you to be doing like, 800 assignments well I'm exaggerating obviously but six seven assignments in a week like right now I'm like I I have so much homework like so much homework and I have a job like and I have my child and 
it's like, how can I balance all these different things? Like, I have responsibilities that I have to take care of, but I have to work. And, like, I just started to think about, like, in my work history, like, all the times that I've been overworked. Like, I've worked jobs that didn't <clears throat> value me or my work, that didn't value my work. Like, I would work 12 hours, and I wouldn't have, like, a set lunch break. I would have to sneak out to go eat whenever there wasn't a customer there or like we didn't have a patient. I'm talking about two different jobs right now. And even like other jobs where like my time was controlled, like whatever I, I was doing outside of work was controlled, like bosses being controlling, like not wanting their employees to socialize so that we didn't communicate like our pay or different things. And I know that pay is not the most important thing when it comes to, to this idea of like time control but it definitely is important to talk about how overworked people are like I was reading an article about lift workers and how they make an average of $11 per ride and it just made me think like you know people even when we're made believe that we control our own schedules we really don't because you know you control your own schedule, okay, but now you're going to have to work 50 hours to make sure that you're making enough money to pay your rent and pay your bills. And, like, in the story that I'm talking about, the person in the story, she was going to give birth, and she still was working a week before her due date because they didn't say exactly why, but the author made their own theory, and they shared that Lyft doesn't offer, like, health insurance. They don't offer maternity leave they don't offer a lot of things and this is not just Lyft there's a lot of different companies even for me as a student like I never had a full-time job that had any benefits so I've always been like afraid like oh my god if I get sick like what am I gonna do like oh if I call out what am I gonna do like it's this thing that you have to basically work for people and but you're not valued it's like you're just there to make them some coins and you leave and honestly, it just feels like people need to be, like, employ like bosses need to <clears throat> appreciate the people that are working for them more. Like, if you're going to have someone work for- working for you, don't overwork them. Don't exploit them. Don't have them work unlimited amount of hours for you on the weekend when they're not, like, when it's their free time. Like, don't <clears throat> expect them to work overtime if they're, like, if they w- don't want to. And that's a little bit of my, about my work experience. Like, I just really have been doing a lot of free work for years. And it just feels like it's an, a never-ending cycle. Like, even after now I'm going to graduate, like, I have to find a full-time job. And I know that I will, but it's like, then you need to get more education if you want to get more money. Or you need to get more trainings if you want to get make more money. And I say... I keep emphasizing more money because living in New York City, like, money is what we need. Like, we need money more than food, to be honest, because, like, we need money to survive here. And having jobs that don't pay you enough, it feels like we are the ones that have that are responsible for to become more educated. We're the ones that are competing with each other, competing, 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 instead of these bosses or these people that own whatever institution we choose to work in, instead of them having regulations or like strict laws that hold them, like hold them accountable. Like, hey, you're gonna have these people working for you, but you're not gonna ask them to become more educated if you're not gonna pay them. Like, 
your people we, we're we're competing against each other for jobs we put ourselves in the thousands and thousands of dollars and we might not even be guaranteed a job that will help us pay off the loans and yeah what do you have to say Jolanda um totally I also want to say that like yeah like you know the long hour work really takes a toll on you know the well-being of the family as a whole because like growing up I was brought up by my you know grandma in another city like when we were living in China like you know in a totally different city because my mom you know had to like work uh, nine to five even more you know to like start up you know to build up her own career in order to kind of you know provide for the family and it's really like the standard way uh wait it's it's like prevalent in China at least when I was growing up that like you know I would have like friends and classmates they're all brought up not by their parents but by like their grandparents you know because all of our parents have to work like super long hours and until I was maybe seven when you know when I went to like elementary school I went to live with my mom in the city that I considered myself like growing up and even then like you know she would have no time for me like she would leave at six in the morning and would only come back like at nine uh, in the evening uh, and then you know afterwards like she sent me to you know boarding school when I was 12 because there's no way for her to like both take on more work hours and to care for you know the family and she's she's still really like it's really funny because like now looking back like she's really guilty that she had no time for me at all and you know now that I'm like living away from home you know she still lives in China where I'm in New York you know it's pandemic it's, it's super hard to visit families and you know she's really guilty for everything but you know there was as if there, there's nothing that can be done you know to kind of salvage it and and why I said it was funny because like you know she's she's still very thankful for her job and to me that's like that's why we're doing this podcast because I feel like you know people don't make the connection people start to blame things to themselves oh like you know I didn't have the means, didn't have a better means to provide for my family that I have to, you know, jeopardize the relationship that I have with my, you know, families. And, you know, we internalize or we're told to like always internalize and, you know, think that it's our own fault or it's our own, you know, lack of ability. Whereas like we failed, we always, you know, we're kind of also brainwashed not to like connect these dots and like say that, wait a minute, you know, it's because of this job that I'm always thankful for, you know, like, you know, my mom's still, like, really thankful that this job gives her really good benefits, and, you know, then I'm always, like, mom, but, you know, like, my childhood, it's not something that, you know, can be, like, yeah, restored by money, or, like, mom, you know, you, you never asked, you know, you never dared, I guess, to imagine a world where, you know, we don't have to, like, leave our children behind in order to, I guess, pursue some basic needs or to put food on the table. You know, like, why don't you dare more, right? Like, I think that's, you know, that's been something that I've been saying to her about, but that's why I think we, you know, I mean, it's, I, I find myself kind of thinking the same thing, like Sam was saying that, you know, like we're, you know, doing all those like things for our school or for our, you know, bosses if we're working part-time you know as students like it's kind of like the norm you know it's kind of like the path that 
like we're um, told that, you know, this is the standard track, right? You know, stay on your track and, you know, and we never, I guess, take a pause and think like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? You know, shouldn't we demand more? And uh, yeah, so I, I think this, and and like I said, this is so prevalent, you know, not just in China, you know, but like, you know, China got it from the U.S. too, right? Like it's a whole globalized workaholic culture or, you know, like a whole like uh, system of quote unquote social letters and social mobility and American dream that, you know, that is like the only way that we, you know, are told to basically fight for survival. It's a culture, it's an entire culture that I think is wrong and that we should fight against. Yeah, I think both of you guys said a lot of things that point to like how common all of these experiences are. I want to go back to the question for a second though of like then how do we how do we how do we stop it, right? You know, how do we if it's so pervasive and it's so, you know, just, you know, we can't, you know, even what you were saying about your mom, Yolanda, or Sam, you too, about like continuing to get more degrees to make more money. Like, we can't say, I mean, that's like what you have to do, right? On one hand, you know, we can't be like, you know, if if you want to have any decent sort of quality of life or whatever, right? That's why we're all sort of in this rat race. So how do we, yeah, how do we stop that? And how do we, or how does like joining with the home attendants who fight against the 24-hour workday, like how will that make a difference for any of us, right? We're not home attendants. We don't work, you know, we don't technically work these 24-hour like shifts caring for patients. I I was going to say, um, I want to say two things. One, I think that it will be, it will give me hope for sure to see that something has been done. I think that it's unfortunate that Cornwall and other people have not like signed any bill, like nothing has been done basically. And I think that seeing something be done will definitely encourage me to continue fighting for my own rights. But I also feel like that's kind of like something that we need to do. And I think that the reason why we need to do it is because the system is the same. And like, and I think that one of the things that I would think would make a difference is like not having an an education level for basic jobs. Like I have come across jobs online. You need a bachelor's degree. You need this, you need that. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous because a lot of the things that they're asking for degrees in are things that people can train themselves to do or things that people probably have to like people might already have those skills. They might just not have the education. And it makes me just so upset that a lot of jobs like have an education requirement, which for me, it would be like, it would benefit me because, you know, it puts me in a, in a zone where I'm only competing against like, thousands of others and probably not millions, you know, but still like, I feel like that's one of the things that can be done. I think that there's a lot of, I guess it's not like a, a, um, a clear answer. Yeah. Like, but I definitely think that organizing with home attendants, like a vulnerable population is a good start. Yeah, I I definitely think that like Sam saying, you know, having concrete demands and especially 
uh, the one that, you know, the campaign is putting forward to expose the system and to pass a law that can, you know, encourage more people to stand up. You know, I think that currently, I don't know if we mentioned, but the United Women campaign is putting out a um, bill that will abolish the 24-hour workdays for home care aides. And, you know, even though the scope is, you know, limited, the home care aid circle, but, you know, it is setting a good precedent for, like, all other, you know, workers of all other industries that are suffering from, you know, similar, if not the same, exact same conditions. And and I think also that these legislative um, demands have to go hand in hand with the way in which we change, like, our thinking as well. I think this, you know, this podcast, we also hope that it can be this exactly the space, like, you know, Sam's talking about, that give us more hope, that convert our feelings of being hurt, our trauma, and just also sometimes cheer rants, you know, because the system hurts all of us. And to convert all that, like, energy into something that's more proactive and, you know, into a, a space where we kind of work out what is wrong in the way that we think and the way that the system is telling us to think. And by the way, we're having this March 8th International Working Women's Day rally on a Monday, this coming Monday, noon, where we celebrate, you know, the leadership of working class women, working class women of all, you know, uh, industries and all walks of life, but specifically the home care workers who stood up, you know, and were able to come together and say no. And this mobilization is going to be at the historical site of Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, where the fire in 1911, you know, trapped hundreds of women in the garment factory building. You know, it's not surprising that under the current system, a hundred years later, you know, the same fire is still killing today thousands of women, you know, invisibly. As a 24-hour workday condition is trapping, you know, those women um, in their workplace and having their health and you know, time with family jeopardized. And this is the perfect opportunity for us to take a stand and stop this grueling long hour workday together as a class. And the RSVP link is tinyurl.com slash mar8rally. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Yolanda, for you know sharing with folks the March 8th the upcoming you know, celebration around International Working Women's Day that we're having. I think it's, like you said, a really, you know, good, concrete way to, you know, start coming together. You know, so the, the I don't know if you mentioned, but the theme also is like, end the 24-hour workday and reclaim control over our time. So uh, I think it really speaks to a lot of what we have been talking about and what we hope to talk about more on this podcast. So... Yeah, everyone is welcome. Connect with us on Yas. Woo! <laughs>